Thank you for joining us today on the broadcast. Welcome to Lunch Plus here at What's Right. We're super excited to have you with us. As you are hopping on, make sure that you comment, tell us who you are, where you're watching from, and make sure that you share today's broadcast. It's going to be a great episode. Yesterday, y'all got to meet my husband. and I mean, Pastor was here too, but you got to meet my husband. He's so wonderful, and I love him a whole bunch, but thank you for hopping on. I'm going to say hello to Johnny and Holly. Um, Natalie, Kevin says good afternoon. I am so excited to see everybody. Holly's waving. I don't know if that's Pastor or Pastor Nicole. One of them is on as well. Anyway, as you are hopping on, please make sure that you are commenting and saying hello. It's going to be a great day. Y'all, we are like 20 parts into our The Man Who Would Be King series. It's been so good. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I hope you guys have too. How's your day going? George is here right now. He's being my my technological expert, as we, we told you yesterday, we've got some new equipment and some new pieces in place, and he is helping me get things as they should be. He's pretty awesome. He's wearing one of my favorite shirts. But enough about my husband. <laughs> we are going to play this or that. What other games would you like to play? What, what sort of things would you like to do? Because as you know, memes need to be made great again. Um but it's time for this or that. So if you'll put up the very first one, I want to get to know y'all better. Buddy! I said I felt like a squirrel right there. Buddy, how are you? <laughs> I see Buddy just hopped on. Buddy and Serena are on their way to North Carolina right now. They will be here today. It's super exciting. Um, and I see Chris and BJ Atkins. Hello, guys. Thank you for watching. Okay. Oh, I didn't even look at the, this or that. Okay, this or that. Coke or Pepsi? We're back to the game. I promise. I'm focused. Which one is yours? Kevin says Pepsi. E. Jade. Hey, Jade. Cake says Coke faux show. <laughs> Holly says, I need theme music to bring in the game. I really do. Like, I, I say this a lot. I really need to make my own theme music. 
or not my own, but just theme music in general. I feel like I'd be really good at that, like making jingles. Uh, okay, so we've got Pepsi Coke, Pepsi, 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 Coke. I So Glass House, I don't know the last time I've drank either. Like, and, and so I really don't know. I feel like I'd be able to tell the difference, but I don't, I don't know the difference. Which one has Sprite? Is that Coke? I think Coke has Sprite, and Sprite would make me a Coke person. I think that's how that works. Uh, Chris says Coke. Jade, oh, I love you. Okay, so I, I feel like Pepsi won for right now, but Coke definitely has some, some fans in the house. Murky seems shocked in the back. <laughs> Okay, next, Lisa. Hey, Lisa, I love you. Marky says, Coke, hello. I, I don't think I've heard her, like, ever make that, like, sound that I just made with my voice, but that's how I read it. <laughs> okay, our next this or that is, I need to find some that are not food related, um, but that's not going to happen today. <laughs> okay, this or that, ketchup or mustard? And answer mustard however you would like to answer. Marky is my girl with this always. When it comes to like food and condiments and things, like Marky and I are typically very in sync. So I am absolutely a ketchup person. Absolutely. Okay, I need to go back. Kevin, Sprite would make me a Coke person. What? So doesn't Sprite belong to Coca-Cola? Like, isn't that a Coca-Cola product? I, I don't like either Coke or Pepsi, but because it's part of the Coca-Cola family and it's under that umbrella, it makes me lean more toward Coke. Because isn't Mountain Dew Pepsi? And I'm not a Mountain Dew person. Like, that's how I split the families down the middle. So that's, that's how I rationalize that. Okay, Marky says ketchup. Abby says ketchup. Kevin says mustard. Holly says ketchup. Chris says ketchup. Johnny says ketchup. Natalie says ketchup. <gasps> Ketchup is winning. That makes me so excited. Whenever you can tell Pastor Nicole is not the one that's logged on at this exact moment because mustard is right up her alley. Like she could eat it by the spoonfuls. Mustard's always been one of those things that I've never been able to get excited about. Now, honey mustard, on the other hand, that's different. I really like honey mustard, even on French fries. So if it was honey mustard, or ketchup, it could it could be a tighter race, but ketchup still wins. Chris says, seriously, you're making me hungry. Well, I mean, it is lunchtime. So you guys, you guys not on the broadcast right now, you're more than welcome to eat your food while we're talking about these things. You can eat for me because I I can't eat in front of you on camera. Maybe someday, but today is not that day. So it looks like ketchup wins. Okay, our last one. And then maybe I'll just think of other ones to give you. Our last one of the day. Nope, it really is all food related. You are welcome, everyone. <laughs> okay, are you a breakfast person or a dinner person? And you can answer this either way. Like, you can either answer this as, do you prefer breakfast food over dinner food? Or do you prefer eating at breakfast time over dinner time? I am a breakfast person absolutely a breakfast person like I could I could have breakfast for dinner every night of the week and be very excited about it like I eggs hash browns 
bacon. What is really not to let pancakes, waffles, muffins, all of those foods are good any time of the day. Um, but it looks like I am the super minority in this house. Marky and Abby both were very quick on dinner. Holly's a dinner. Marky says, you don't like breakfast food. But what about you in the cereal aisle? Okay, she says that's not food. I'm concerned. But Abby says dinner, food, and dinner time. Kevin says breakfast. Breakfast is a state of mind. Kevin See, just like that, we got back into unity. Like, we were, we were separated over the mustard, but breakfast brought us right back in. Uh, Johnny says dinner. Chris says breakfast for dinner. Absolutely, Mr. Chris. Absolutely. Sharla. Hey, Charlotte. So good to see y'all. Natalie says breakfast. Marky says, I'm used to cereal, so real food for breakfast is weird to me. Um, I could eat cereal for, for dinner, like any breakfast type food, cereal, Pop-Tarts, donuts, like all of these. I said the healthy ones earlier. You, you weren't here yet in the room. I said eggs and you can have bacon, you can have omelets. Like I, I'm all for breakfast food of any kind. I don't discriminate. Um, well, I need to amend that. Liver mush is technically a breakfast food down here. I do discriminate against that. Um, I've, I've tried it, though. Abby says, breakfast food is basically all sweet. Eggs are not sweet. Potatoes aren't sweet. Turkey's not sweet. Oatmeal, yeah. Oatmeal with blueberries. Oh, I am making myself hungry right now, Chris. Um, Kevin says to Marky, cereal is breakfast replacement, not breakfast. <laughs> Becca, Becca, we're talking about which one do you prefer, breakfast or dinner? Which type of food do you prefer? Eggs are gross. No. And, well, okay, eggs by themselves I don't like, but when you stuff them full of other food, like vegetables and meats and things, cheeses, like, oh, so good. They're so good. Coffee for breakfast and a big dinner is what Sharla says. I can get down with that. Coffee is also a breakfast food. <laughs> Every good thing, food-wise, I feel like you can tie back to breakfast. George says, breakfast anytime is always a good option. George, I feel like I know what dinner's going to be soon for the hours. Becca says, liver mush is disgusting. I have a picture of Becca the first time she tried liver mush, and it was, is it the first time you tried it or Jade tried it? I don't remember, but... I remember the picture and the disgust. Becca says, dinner all the way. Kevin says, if the pig ain't on the plate, it ain't breakfast. <laughs> Kevin, you would fit in so well with us here. <laughs> Sharla says, with exception of turkey and veggie omelets. Those are good. Omelets with spinach in it. Oh, it's just all good. Welcome to the food time, Lunch Plus. I haven't eaten yet today. <laughs> I didn't realize I'd stacked it with all food stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I had Coke, definitely. Now, I used to be Pepsi, but then uh, literally for political reasons, yeah. I changed. And now I, I can't stand the ten, taste of Pepsi. I mean, well, I can stand it, but it's, uh, it's not my favorite. Coke yeah. has become my favorite. So. Coke does own Sprite, right? Like, I was correct with that? I believe so. Okay. I believe so. I think that's the family that I'm thinking of, the soda family. And the, yeah. But Pepsi has, Pepsi has Dr. Pepper, so that's, right? 
Yes, I believe so. <laughs> George, a voice in the back. Pepsi yep. and um, uh, Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew. I believe those are in the Pepsi family. Becca says, Jade convinced me to eat liver mush for the first time at my bridal shower. Y'all got pics of me about to gag. Accurate. I, <laughs> accurate. It's a great picture. Marky says, Dr. Pepper's her favorite. So. Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Are you a breakfast or dinner food type person? I I, I can eat breakfast basically any time, but um, I would say like now, Nicole can eat breakfast or dinner mm -hmm. at any time. So she would probably be more of a dinner person, definitely. But uh, I am more of, I'm probably more breakfast in a sense, but then I definitely, I understand the coffee for breakfast. So yeah, Paul says wild cherry Pepsi is best. I do like the wild cherry Pepsi. Mm -hmm. Cherry Coke is good too. Yeah, yeah. So this is a polarizing question in, in the Nower household. Um, George and I are on very opposite ends. Do you eat cold pizza or does it have to be heated up? Um, used to, I ate it all the time, but I don't like it as much as I used to now. So um, I'd rather warm it up always in the oven too, not the microwave. So I, I've defi I definitely have what I like and what I don't like now. For most things, I have an opinion <laughs> I understand. for myself. But <laughs> Jade says breakfast for dinner is amazing. Absolutely, super agree. I am. I've learned this about myself: is I tend to prefer most food not hot. Like I, mm. I don't know if there's a type of food that I prefer hot. I typically prefer it lukewarm or cold. I'm, I'm the opposite. That is of not me. <laughs> that is not me. Like I, I can, every food I think tastes better, not hot. Well, like a soda, I want that, I don't want ice in it because ice will water it down and it takes away some of the fizz, but I do want it super cold. So I'll take a soda, stick it in the freezer for 45 minutes. I know how long it takes to f not freeze, but get it as cold as it can. So I always want that cold, but I want the food hot. Like if we're, if we get like food at the house or we, we have it, it literally gets on my nerves because I want that I want to eat it at its prime. I don't want to wait till it gets lukewarm. So see, I understand what God is saying in Revelation about spewing out the lukewarm. It's uh, I get it. Now see, I'm the opposite of that because I found when I made chili that the flavors tend to. Well, can we just say that you're wrong? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nope. Just joking. This one is not Bible, so I All can right. say no to that. <laughs> lukewarm. All right, go ahead. About anyway, people, I, I people you. I don't like. I interrupted. Like lukewarm. I realize I could just stop right the people I don't like. <laughs> that did that would not make a good screen grab. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, please. <laughs> but no, like the flavors when they have time to sit, I feel like I can. With chili, like, the next day, they're spicier and richer and stuff. And I find, for me, I can identify more flavors when it's not hot. Temperature, for me, takes yeah. away of the now, flavor. Now, I'm not talking about hot, burn your tongue hot. Yeah. yeah I want to be able, if, I, if it's so hot that it burns my tongue, I, I totally agree with that. I want to taste it. I want, the, I want it. It doesn't have to be, again, burn your tongue hot, but it needs to be at the temperature it should be, yeah. you know. So I don't like it when we have food and then we're not prepared to serve it when it gets home and hot, you yeah. know. 
I don't, I don't like that. Like right now, I made tea this morning at 8 o'clock, and it is noon, and I have not drank my tea yet because I know it's, it was too warm up until about this point in time. That's how long it takes to... I'm ready. No, no, no. I, this is like a, a Yeti Turvis thingamabob, so it, it keeps it warm, but it's not going to burn me, and I can actually taste what I'm drinking, and I don't have to wonder. What did is you make the hurt? tea in? A Keurig. Oh. It's it's not like burning. <laughs> I don't have I a Nespresso. <laughs> I just went. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh well. Well, George, that's true. I don't eat a ton of red meats, like, unless they're baked in things. So, yeah. like, burgers, I'm sure, are really gross cold. Well, what I would suggest to you on, like, the tea, I would not do it. There's a couple of reasons why I would not do tea in a Keurig. Number one, or a, uh, I would not do nice, it. Nice, warm tea. Well, yeah, you can have it warm. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, where you could gulp the whole thing if you want to, but... Um, not my preference but it's you know anyway (laughs) there's but seriously there's a reason why I would not use the Keurig for that is part of the reason why I moved away from that or anything that would um, percolate percolate the water because in order to percolate it must take the water temperature up to boiling and as soon as you take water up to boiling it actually turns more acidic and so the thing to do is heat it up to the temperature you need and only that far. And what you can do is you can just get one of those kettles that you can set the temperature on. They're not very expensive. And then your tea, you can set it to your perfect drinking temperature and you don't have the acidity uh, that, you don't, that your body doesn't need to. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. I appreciate your gadget mind. <laughs> it's science. <laughs> It's a science. Taylor says, I'm not a tea person. I like coffee. I understand. Yes, thank you. Taylor, I've been trying to reach out to you all morning. The morning has been crazy. Taylor McCaffrey, happy birthday to you. May this be your best year yet, and may the blessing of the Lord be in everything you do on every day. May you have the mind of Christ, and may the anointing of the Lord flood you and fill you in Jesus' name. I look forward to the testimonies of this year for you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Kevin says that your shirt is bright, in all caps. I'm just, well... Here, it sticks out a lot. Uh, When I just did the Thursday 3, right before I left the house, in my yellow wall, (laughs) it blended right in. in. (laughs) I didn't even realize, Abigail said, you do realize your shirt blends into your yellow wall. I said, I do now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. We love you too, Taylor. Amen. Well, hey, look, uh, is there anything else we need to cover? I don't think so. Ketchup or mustard was a hard one for me because... I like both of them, and but I, only, I like them on different things. So, like I like fries mm-hmm. with ketchup, and I definitely want ketchup with that. But when you go to tater tots, mustard, on a really? hot dog, mustard. Yeah. How come? How come mustard with tater tots? Texture and different flavor. It's the different flavor. Tater tots are more potatoey, so I like the mustard to cover that up. Now, with mashed potatoes, aside from gravy, do you put anything on your mashed potatoes? No, butter. How can, yeah, I mean, that's Southern. <laughs> Butter. 
everything. Thank you, Paula yeah. Dean. Yeah, mustard. I I like uh, I like mustard on that, and I like only like I like ketchup on a few things. I do like the vinegary taste of it, but. See, I, I ask because I am consistent in that I like ketchup on French fries, and I also like ketchup on any potato type. No. Any of them. No, I can't say that. Yep. So I didn't know. Yeah, if I'm, I'm you a just blend of that. Liked mustard on your mashed potatoes. <laughs> no, and you know what else mustard is good on? Corn dogs. Corn dogs, awesome. Love it. I like honey mustard. Regular mustard, not as much. I like honey mustard on like chicken strips. I don't like honey mustard as salad dressing. No. Do you like? No. Do you? Mm -mm. Do you like salad dressing? as honey mustard as salad dressing? Mm -mm. Yes or no? Mm -mm. Honey mustard salad dressing, thumbs up, thumbs down. Mine would be Big thumb thumbs down. down. Yep. Do not like it. No, no. That's, that's a thicker dressing and I don't, mm -mm. I can dip things. I don't want to drench my, but I'm similar with that with ranch too. Like I don't want ranch on my salads because it's too thick. It's that same category yeah. for me of I could dip stuff in you. I don't want to drench my stuff in you. <laughs> Taylor. Did you see Buddy? Taylor says, who the heck eats salad? Buddy <laughs> says. Brian Wright, the food science guy. <laughs> I, he, I was wondering if he was watching. Uh, also, Buddy, they are in the moving truck heading from Pennsylvania to North Carolina. Lord, may every inch of that trip. Let, let it be blessed. May your will be done. Father, put them at right just the right place at just the right time and let it be anointed and blessed in every way. May the will of God be done on in that trip as it is as in heaven. Jesus, you are Lord over yeah. that trip and we just praise you for it in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Glory to God. We'll see you soon. Yeah, amen. I've been meaning to call Buddy and Serena and tell them that too. It's been a day already. It's amazing. Um, let's see. Holly said no to honey mustard. My wife, no honey mustard. Yeah. Taylor, who the heck eats salad? Paul, yes. Paul's the first yes. Kevin, no. <laughs> Kevin, meat salad, Taylor. Meat salad. <laughs> Could you? Oh, George, Paul. I'm glad you Kevin. never direct this. <laughs> steak, meat salad, steak chicken, hamburger, all tossed together, a meat salad. It's like a meat pizza, but salad. Yeah. So instead and of sauce, And you could throw in ranch. one leaf. You could serve it on the, on the one leaf of lettuce and meat salad. I had a boss once who said that the only way to eat a salad was if there was ham and cheese and a piece of lettuce at the bottom. And that's how he had his salads made for him. Nothing else was on it. It was just <laughs> ham and cheese. George, boom, best, best salad, salad ever. <laughs> Kevin, you are a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin is excited today. His words are, he's, he's getting all caps on us. He's, he's, not, he's not going medieval on us. He's going all caps on us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who like knew it. that food was the bringer together of people on the You internet? know, that happened last time, too. Meat garnish. There you go. A meat garnish. Johnny Shaver. Bacon, yeah. Bacon, yes. <laughs> Paul says, you had me at steak. 
<laughs> I don't super like steak. Like anytime you or Pastor Nicole talk about it as like your mouth should water and stuff, I'm like, I I guess I'm a heathen because I'm not like I'm I'm actually in all in all honesty, we're not either. It's just now we will have a taste for it all a lot. Well not a lot, but every now and then. Uh, but most of the time, I actually, I prefer chicken or, or fish myself. And she's the same way. Yeah. But every now and then, we'll get a taste for steak. And to a lot of guys, that's not the way that they think. Yeah. I use that as an example because most people are. It would be just like the way that I would use a chocolate as an example. Yeah. Most everybody likes chocolate. I'm not the biggest fan. Yeah, so. I get that. Yeah, so I'm. George is laughing. I know, I know. <laughs> Paul said, shame on you, Barrett. Your pastor just said that it's not his favorite either, so... My wife, yes, it's true. She likes seafood a lot. What kind of seafood is yours? Like, I could eat lobster. Fried. <laughs> <laughs> Fried. That's a very southern answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to want broiled. <laughs> I want <laughs> to want baked. <laughs> but fried is like, it's like, mm, Fried. <laughs> Do you want that broiled or fried? <gasps> fried. That's, I don't know how that happens. I try. I try. See, I, I lobster's my favorite, absolute favorite, and then scallops are right behind it. Um, I would say uh, lobster mac crab and legs. Oh, good call. I'd never had crab legs until I moved here. Like I yeah. never had them up north. I, I like crab legs a lot. Crab legs are good. I like them a lot. And um, I like certain types of fish. What I don't like is when you get the fish and it's real thin and it, there's a lot of breading on it or whatever. Like, I do like, you know, certain types of fish. They have, what was it, an Alaskan whitefish over at Blue Bay? Yeah. It's like thick and kind of uh, fluffy, I guess. That, that was a good, that was a good fish. So. <laughs> I do like, Kevin. I do like... Fried oysters, and I do like um, scallops, like big, big scallops. Yeah. They're cooked right. Oh, I like those a lot. Now, I'm really interested by this. Uh, Kevin talked smack and then told me I recovered with the lobster. I see that. But Taylor, I'm really interested. <laughs> Kevin, Johnny says I need to take notes for cooking. You know, I really, I'm just doing this for you, Johnny. Um, okay. <laughs> no, Taylor says I like me an oyster po'boy. I'm really intrigued by that. I just had oysters for dinner Monday, I think, and I'm really curious what that tastes like on a po' boy. What is in a po' boy? Not a rich person, but what's in a po' boy? I don't ask know. Taylor. Taylor, I didn't know if you knew offhand. Taylor, what's in it? I I believe I know, and I pretty much know, but I, I went don't, to like steak I, and cheese. I'm like, that's not yeah. right. <laughs> No, it's just a, it's like a sandwich uh, that has, basically, you'll, a lot of times they'll have like a seafood bake, and then they'll throw a bunch of stuff into like a sandwich, and um, I'm not sure what ingredients make the exact um, definition of it. But. Now, New Orleans, I bet, is legit, Taylor. He said, visit New Orleans, epic. Like, I can see that. They've got some, yeah. like, crawfish and stuff down there. Like, they've got, I'd eat that. Yeah, I, there's, um, actually, there, now, if you can't get to New Orleans, what's the Cajun place, Razoo's? They actually do pretty good for New Orleans food. 
not being in New Orleans, they actually. Are they here? Uh, there's one over over by Concord Mills, Razoo's. I've never heard of yeah. that. Uh, they're pretty. They're pretty good. Interesting. Yeah, Johnny says po the po' boy generally has shrimp. Yeah, I've seen it with different things, and and they can be good. They can also be bad. Um, I've had them where they're not good, but if you're in New Orleans, it's probably going to be good, like Taylor said. Yeah. No, so. I found that I like seafood on pretty much everything. So, hmm. like, I just had a great crab omelet the other day because crab is great for breakfast. Eggs, it goes all the way back. But all right, so we're going to jump in today. First uh, Samuel chapter twenty-two. Love you guys. The man who would be king. We've been talking about it. What's the position that we find David in? We find David in a position where he's anointed, but now the king wants to kill him. He's anointed, but the king wants to kill him. <laughs> he's anointed, but the king wants to kill him. 1 Samuel 22. Hey, Ashley, good to see you. Uh, many times I think that people are constantly thinking that as soon as they get called into ministry, everything's just going to be exactly to their liking, and it just doesn't happen like that. So David's now in the place of the wilderness, and it's challenging to him. It's challenging uh, to his flesh. He's got, you know, obviously some guys trying to kill him, and it's not just some guys. The king of the country is trying to kill him. And uh, what we talked about yesterday with George uh, was we talked about how we have to hear from the Lord and pay attention to the small things, uh, and the Lord will lead us. And we gave testimony after testimony, and how many times the things of the Lord, they don't sound spectacular. They don't sound huge and big. They're actually small. Remember the still, small voice. You know, and the guy in the Bible, he went after this, he went after that, but he found that the Lord was in the still, small voice. And so many times, that's where you'll find the blessing of the Lord. And so the person who would be king, the person who would be a leader, a shift supervisor, a CEO, a president of a company or a country or a, a leader over a Sunday school class or a minister, uh, these people that would be a leader are just a good servant leader in a disciple maker in the body of Christ. We need to understand that we have to have a relationship with Jesus. Everything hinges on a relationship, and we have to listen to him. But now here's David, and he's anointed to be king of the country, and yet the person who is king, who was also one time anointed by God, is now trying to kill him. He's now trying to take David out, hunting him down. And David's in the wilderness period of time. And one of the things is, if you're being obedient to God, write this down. If I'm obedient in God, I'm always prospering. If I'm obedient in God, I'll always be prospering. That prosperity is not always seen. Sometimes it's below ground. But if I'm obedient in God, I'm always prospering. If I'm obedient in God, I'm always prospering. Put that in the comments. 
Many, many people don't see that. They think that, okay, I'm being a beat, I'm just getting beat up. But they don't realize character is being built. That you're building a foundation so that when God opens up the throne of leadership to you, you'll be able to stay there when other people can't. Because God, has, you have given yourself to the obedience of God. So now let's look at 1 Samuel 22. If you remember from yesterday in chapter 21, one of the things that happened is that David went into Ahimelech, and Ahimelech not only fed him, but gave him Goliath's sword, which was such a great testimony. And so now you see, then he goes to a place, and the person says, hey, is that David? And David, you know, acts like he's crazy. Let's drool, run down his beard, and, and he acts like he's crazy. And, you know, the Lord will ask you to do some things that sometimes that look like they're crazy. Make sure you have confirmation of it. A lot of times people think, well, I'll just be crazy, and they go and do crazy stuff, and, and that's where they stay. <laughs> you don't want to be one of those people. As a leader, you want to be the kind of person that is always advancing in God, but you want to make sure that you have confirmation from the people that God has planted you with supernaturally. So here he is in this place. God saves him as he does this crazy thing. But then he departs. But remember the priest that helped him. Let's look at this, uh, chapter 22. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. I want you to notice this. He's anointed to be king. But where does he go to? He's living in a cave. Don't you know that his flesh is like, dude, you're supposed to be king. And you're living in a cave. And we're going to watch this play out. And we're going to see that David has opportunity to take out Saul. Don't you know his flesh was telling him, you are better than this. You just need to take, you need to take that throne. You need to get that throne. You're the one anointed by God. Don't you know that you should be on that throne? Not living in this cave. What made David great was he could live in the cave and still operate in humility, and still operate in the anointing, even though it seemed like nobody wanted him, even though he had somebody trying to kill him, even though he wasn't where God had anointed him to be yet in position, he was in a place where God could teach him, train him, raise him up, give him the character so that he would be mentioned in the very first verse of the Gospels. Along with Jesus, there's David, being mentioned and honored by the Holy Ghost himself. Why was he great? Because he understood, I'm not going to take this throne the wrong way. That's going to set up a lot of this. I'm not going to take this throne that God's called me to be, this place of leadership. I'm not going to take it the wrong way. If God doesn't put me on it, if he's not strong enough to keep me, and to keep me from being killed, and to put me on the throne, I don't want it. Remember Psalm 127, here's David speaking, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. David could have tried to build his own house and get out of the cave. But if he, if he can't go to the throne God's way, the proper way through humility, he doesn't deserve it. Unless God builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. So then we see this. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. 
Praise God. Don't you know that many times we'll be sitting there. I can tell you uh, in the kingdom of God, I have felt alone many times. Even yesterday I was talking to somebody and they were talking about, I, they were just saying, praise God I've got you to talk to. Praise God I have you to talk to. And I said, it's more than what you even think. I said, because I can tell you, I went for years, and there's ground that we've plowed up, but I went for years feeling like I didn't have anybody to talk to about these things. I felt like there were many things I didn't have the ability to talk to people about. And uh, you have somebody that'll help you. That'll help you grow. It'll help confirm things quicker. Confirm things. Know this, that when you are called by God and you're being obedient to Him, he will send people, he will send people to help back you up and confirm things. And even if you can't see them, trust God that they're there. Trust God that God is being God on your behalf, no matter what you see and no matter what you hear. The righteous live by faith, not by sight. All right, put that in the comment. The righteous live by faith and not by sight. The righteous have overflowing life by faith. They don't have overflowing life by sight. So you may feel, you may hear, you may see all the wrong things. But in the meantime, in the spirit where God is, God's being God on your behalf. God's handling his business. He's blessing you. He's bringing favor to you. He's, he's working things out. So don't drop faith just because you can't see or hear or feel like God's up to something. Don't worry about that. Just simply say, all right, Lord, I'm going after you. The righteous live by faith, not by sight. The righteous have overflowing life, overflowing life through faith. Not overflowing life by what they see, hear, and feel. All right. Verse 2. Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him and he became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. <laughs> oh, man. I'm called to lead this great country. I'm anointed by God. Great. Here's everybody that's in debt. Here's everybody that's sad. Here's everybody, everybody that's got problems. <laughs> hey, what's how are you doing today? Welcome to the cave. What kind of problems you got? Oh, I got a bunch of them. <laughs> Come on with me. Oh, that makes a leader feel awesome. <laughs> oh, that's... That makes a leader feel great, but you know what? One time I was, uh, I was fussing, you know, I never do that, but, you know, I was fussing one time, and I said, I said, Lord, I said, I don't like that people step outside the church right after a service and start smoking cigarettes. Like, it just bothers me that they dishonor you by stepping out there and smoking cigarettes. And uh, about that time, the Lord said, and sometimes you can recognize what's up by the tone that he has, or, or the questions, and he said, would you, rather, would you rather not have them? And I went, so he basically says something along these lines, so you would... 
not want anybody smoking on the steps? I was like, uh, I think I probably need to not answer this. Uh, I think maybe I should be quiet right now. I'm, uh, I got a feeling I'm not going to answer this the way God wants me to answer. I was like, uh, you know, I, I was like Ezekiel, Lord, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> can these bones live? You know, Lord. <laughs> anyway, he said to me, he said, if you didn't have anybody smoking on the steps of the church, that means you got no new growth. And for you to say that you don't want anybody out there means you don't want any new growth. You just want all the old people and nobody new coming in. You're, you're turned off by the misfits. And I learned right then, the misfits are my people. <laughs> the misfits are my people. They won't stay misfits. They're going to grow. But the misfits are my people. I love the misfits. I love the people that come in and they got debt. They come in and they got problems. Because here's this. I know this. I know this. If that person who's been a misfit all their life, who's been, who grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, will put their hope and their hunger in God, God will fill them and he'll pour out grace and the end will be different from the beginning. Give me the misfits. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this, the one who aren't, the people who aren't misfits, they think they know something. They're walking in pride. But the ones who are misfits, a lot of times, they're looking for something. They're hungry and they'll put pride down. Those are the kind of people you can grow together and become David's mighty men. I see Buddy said David's mighty misfits. That's how they started. But in the end, they became David's mighty men. You may have been a misfit all your life, but God's bringing, turning you into something mighty. From misfit to mighty. From misfit, from misfit to mighty. That's who you are in Jesus' name. That's who you are. Put it in. Say, I've, I've gone from misfit. I'm going to mighty. I may have been a misfit, but I'm going to mighty right now. I may have been a misfit, but I'm going to mighty right now. I'm not waiting on it. I may have been a misfit, but I'm going to mighty. I can't tell you how many people would have said that Brian Wright was a misfit. I, I could give you a list of probably 200 people that I know personally. Brian Wright is a misfit. But listen, if you'll give yourself to God, you'll get hungry for him. If you'll say, Lord, I need you. I got to have you. You'll go from being the the misfit to the mighty. Yes. Hallelujah. I may have been a misfit, but I'm going to mighty in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you for turning our lives around. I love that song. Turn our lives around. Glory to God. I love that song. I may have been a misfit, but we are going to mighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're watching, I'm telling you here at the church at Boomerang, we're watching that happen all the time. All the time. I mean, it's like every week we're seeing people go from a place where they were beat up, where life had them bound, to the places of freedom through the truth of God. They are rising up to new places. Hallelujah. Mm. Man, the anointing's all over this. Now there were about 400 men with them. Verse 3. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and let my mother come and stay with you until I know what God will do for me. 
Then he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. The prophet Gad said, <clears throat> said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. All right, so here he says, he says, hey, let my, let my parents hear. See, there's a provision from God. There's a supernatural provision of God. And this is one of the things that we have to do. We have to say, Lord, I need your supernatural provision. You'll notice the very next thing that he does is he goes to the prophet. He's listening to the prophet. See, we said a few weeks ago, this is what King Saul was missing. King Saul was missing. He never talked to Samuel again until the day that he died after Samuel said, the Lord's not with you. He never talked to him again. That was a huge mistake. Go to the man of God. Talk to the man of God. He may have one word that changes everything. He may have one word that changes everything. Go to that man of God. Go to them. Listen to them. This is what you see David doing. This is why David becomes successful. He goes to the prophet. Then he listened to what the man of God said. He listened to him. That's crazy. Wow. That's just crazy talk. He listened. I hear laughter. <laughs> That's just crazy talk. He went and listened to the man of God and did what he said. What? Then Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Now Saul was sitting in Gibeah under the tamarisk tree on the height on the height with his spear in his hand and all his servants were standing around him. So see here, while David is sitting there trying to hear from God, going to the man of God, listening, trying to be obedient, Lord, help me, help me out. Here's his enemy sitting there with spear in hand, just waiting for the moment to take him out. The enemy's got people positioned. He's got weapons the Bible doesn't tell you that weapons won't be formed. It just says that all of them will not prosper if you will put faith in the protection of God. The shield of faith will quench every fiery dart. You, know, not, you don't just say, okay, God, get me. You, know, you, you protect me. That's not applying faith. You, it's in, my life's in your hands. That's not really applying faith. Faith is taking the word of God and it's reaching out and making it yours. Lord, I trust you in this promise, in this individual promise. This promise is mine. It shall come to pass. It's doing that. So many people, they're sitting around waiting for God to do something and they need to put their faith in, in the promises that, that God has spoken. So they'll say, Lord, just make all my problems go away. That's not faith. That's not, that's not putting faith on what God said. He's saying, look, you'll have problems. There will be weapons formed against you, but the weapons shall not prosper. The weapons shall not prosper. Now, I'll put faith in that. Look, hey, the weapons will be formed. There'll be enemies with spear in hand. Even when you're anointed, there'll be enemies with spear in hand. But let me tell you something about those enemies. 
They shall not prosper if you'll put faith in God's protection. God will show you what they're thinking. God, out of your relationship and your intimacy with God, he'll show you their thoughts. He'll show you their plans. You'll always be one step ahead. They'll always be scratching their head. How can, how can this anointed person keep outsmarting me? I've got the world stacked against them, and yet they keep being in the right place at the right time and avoiding every fiery dart I throw at them. How does this happen? Because we have a relationship with God. Glory to God. Verse 7, Saul said to his servants who stood around him, Hear now, O Benjamites, will the son of Jesse also give to all you fields and vineyards? Will he make all your com- you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? Now watch what he's doing. King Saul is now threatening them, basically saying, I'm giving you this. Is David going to give you the same thing? Oh, David's got so much. He's got 400 misfits. I've got all of this. In other words, what he's doing is he's bribing them. He's bribing them with what... Now, watch this again. A wrong leader thinks that all the stuff is his. A right leader says, Lord, this stuff is yours. It's not mine to throw around. It's definitely not mine to bribe somebody with. It's not mine to bribe somebody with. It's mine to put it in your hands and do only what you say to do with it, Lord. Whatever you want to do, do it. You know, this is, this is, why, this is one of the things that giving overcomes. When we learn to be quick givers and obedient and cheerful and abounding givers, we get over the pressure and the traps of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. When you can, when you can give at just a moment's notice and you can give big in a moment's notice and you get to that place... I'm not saying that, you, that you're supposed to do it today. I'm saying start getting your heart ready to be in that place where you can give at a moment's notice whatever the Lord ha- has for you to do. You're able and willing and cheerful and an abounding heart to do those things. All of a sudden, you overcome the traps that would remove you from the position of leadership. See, this is a trap that Saul's fallen into, and he's in on the way to being removed off of the throne. Many leaders do not overcome the cares of the world in their life, and that thing will pull them out of the seat of leadership that God has formed. But it's also what I want you to recognize is it's wrong when people do this. It's wrong. And even here's what I want you to see too. All of this was stacked against David. Here's Saul utilizing all his power and wealth, and he's utilizing it against David. Thank you, uh, Kevin, for that donation. That's awesome. Lord, let it be blessed, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for quick obedience. For anybody who hears that, Lord, quick obedience. Lord, bless that quick obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. And I... You know, I keep talking about it. I've talked about it more each day because you have to understand giving and finances, it is such a major key in the, in the spiritual things. It is such a major key in the kingdom of God, but people don't, they haven't had teaching on it, and so they don't realize how much they're being held back by not overcoming that. And it's so important, and it's especially important to leaders. Especially important to leaders. 
And I don't, you know, it's like me. I'm blessed, literally, Nicole and I, we received an offering, I think it was last year or the year before. We received an offering, and in that offering, somebody had taken their change and put it in that offering. I'm telling you, Nicole and I shed tears more over that than anything else. You know why? It was somebody said, I don't have much, but what I have, I want to give. I'm telling you, we broke down and cried over that, over those coins that were in a little envelope to us. Broke down and cried over it. It was precious. It's not the amount, it's the heart. It's the heart. And when you start to see that, everything just makes so much more sense. All right, now, let's look at this. Verse 8, he says, Saul's talking to his leaders there. For all of you have conspired against me so that there is no one who discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse and there is none of you who is sorry for me. Oh, 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 oh. Now we just hit on something. Let me finish the verse. There's none of you who is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in ambush as it is this day? Okay. Now you can see some of Saul's thinking. This is the kind of thinking a leader must guard himself from and not have. One of the things, uh, one of my spiritual uh, leaders, spiritual fathers, Brother Tracy Harris, he said this. He said, one of the things when you study it out and when you see in Matthew 16, I believe it is, when uh, basically Peter has the great revelation, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah, is what he said. And you are the anointing of God and his anointing. You are the anointed one and his anointing. That's the revelation that he had. And Jesus said, hey, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but the spirit of God, the Father's revealed this to you. And then just a few verses later, he says, get behind me, Satan. Well, the reason he said, get behind me, Satan, is because Peter, uh, Jesus had said, I'm going up to Jerusalem and I'm going to give my life, basically. I'm going to be taken captive. And Peter said, no, don't go up to Jerusalem. Uh, Pastor Tracy said this, that when you study that out, what you actually see Peter saying to Jesus in general is, Jesus, pity yourself. Pity yourself. Feel sorry for yourself what you're going to go through, and, and don't go up there and give your life, but take pity on yourself. In other words, now watch this. Here's what the devil was saying, and, and the devil was saying it through Peter. That's why Jesus said, he answered the devil, speaking through Peter. Peter, who just got this revelation, let me tell you something. The moment you get a big revelation or a big win in your life, just, just right then, just say, Purpose yourself to not put on the big head. <laughs> to purpose yourself right then to not put on pride. I've worked on this, and I'm still working on it. I've watched it. As soon as I get a big win, it's just like automatic. My flesh wants to rise up in pride over that thing. Peter had a big win. A few verses later, Jesus telling him, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> By name, get behind me, Satan. Understand this, that when you have a big win... May, don't just think that because you got one thing right, everything you're thinking is right. That's not humility, that's pride. All right, now, 
He basically says, the, the devil tells Jesus, feel sorry for yourself and don't go do the thing God's told you to do. Take pity on yourself. It is a demonic thing, this pity, this feeling sorry for yourself. And look at what Saul says. He says, who of you is sorry for me? In other words, Saul was pitying himself and he was feeling sorry for himself and he was mad because nobody else was sorry for him. I've watched people do this. They're mad because nobody else is sorry for them. Listen, are we supposed to feel sorry for ourselves in Jesus? No, we're not. We have Jesus. You know, go over to Romans 8. Who can be against if it God is for us and God is for you? God is for us. God is for us. Who can be against us? Who can be against us? We're not supposed to feel sorry for ourselves. We should say, hey, you can stack the whole world against me. But if God is for me, we're going to win. <laughs> we win. All right. We win. If God is for us, we win no matter what. I'm not going to pity myself. I'm going to go to faith. I'm going to go to rejoicing. I'm going to go to praise. This thing's going to work out. He's always leading me to triumph. He's never going to put me in a place that he and I can't win. We win. If God is for us, we win. Amen. But Saul was feeling sorry for himself. See, this was a demonic thought process. And I want you to see this. Now ask, this, ask yourself this question. Is David planning an attack against Saul? No. David's running for his life. He's just trying to escape from the man who's trying to kill him. Is he trying to take the throne? No. Is he trying to kill Saul? No. Is he setting anything up to come against King Saul? No. But look, here's what a demonic thought process does. It twists the things you see things differently. He says, no one disclosed to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in ambush as it is this day. It wasn't this day. That's not what was happening. But in Saul's heart, that's what was going on. In Saul's heart, that's what was happening. Saul saw a deception as a reality that wasn't actually there. I can't tell you how many times. Think about this. Think about this. How many times, think about the last time that you had a situation that looked so severe and fear and worry and anxiety tried to come against you. And I mean, it just tried to crush you. Think about the last time you were in fear, worry, and anxiety, and you were like, I just don't know if I can take this. This doesn't stop. I'm not going to make it. Think about that moment. How did you feel in that moment? Did you feel like it was all crumbling around you? Just raise your hand. Put, put your hand. I've been there. I know what you're talking about. Put it in the comments now. It's important that you respond. Yeah, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. I remember the feelings, and it felt like, there's no way I'm going to win this. If something doesn't change, there's no way I'm going to win it. Put it in the comments now. Let me see your hand. Marky says, I've been there. Barrett says, yep, me. You start to see everybody has had these moments. Holly says, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. Justin, I've been there. 
My wife, been there, done that. It stunk. Abigail, George, Lisa, all of, see, everybody has been there. Here's what I want you to see. Think about the time before that. Do you remember there was a time before that? There was a time before that that you felt the same way? And probably a time before that that you felt the same way? And yet, I'm talking you, to you today and you came through. All of those thoughts, all of those feelings were lying to you. Making you try to believe something that wasn't a reality. Saying there's an ambush set up and you are not going to make it. And so many times we jump out there and we try to fix it on our own instead of standing and having done all standing. God, you are so good. You're so good. King Saul's fallen for the same thing. The enemy has lied to him and said, David's about to take your throne. He's, he's going to take it all. And David wasn't trying to do it at all. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen, uh, and I've done it too. This is what woke me up to it, where I sat there and I got to the end of a situation that I felt like I could not go through. And God, and God would say, now, did you come through? And I said, yes, I did. He said, so all of those negative emotions, all of those feelings, all of that pain and that weariness and that weight and worry and anxiety that you took on completely wasted. You were going to come through the whole time. It was a lie the whole time. You were going to make it the whole time. And so now when I face those situations today, I can go to First. Corinthians 10, 13, and say, there's no temptation given unto man, but God is faithful. There's no, there's no situation I'm going to face, none, none that God and I can't handle where he's not going to be faithful and God is going to come through and he, I wouldn't even be facing it if there wasn't a plan that God had. God won't allow me to get in a place where he doesn't have a plan. And let me tell you what his plan is. Jeremiah 29, 11. No plans for a calamity, only plans to give us a future and a hope, plans for us to fare well, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. But thanks be unto God who always, always, write it in the comments right now, always, all caps, always leads us to triumph. Always, always, always. He's always leading us to triumph, always. God's got good plans for you. He's always leading you to triumph. He's always leading you to triumph. So no matter where, what you feel, what you see, what it seems like's happening, if you are a child of God, God has a plan to get you out of it and actually take you to the victory every time. Every time. So no matter when you feel that, no matter when you feel it, you can say, that's a lie. God is leading me to triumph. That is a lie against the truth. It's a thought that's trying to exalt itself above the truth of Jesus Christ and what he's done. I'm taking that thought captain. I'm casting it down. And I'll bring that thought into the obedience of Christ. We're going forward. We win every time. Every time. 
So many times we've thought, man, if this doesn't change, I just can't take it anymore. I just can't stand it. And yet you're listening to me today because you did make it through. You, you could stand it because you and God can handle it. You and Jesus can handle it. He's created you in his image. All we got to do is turn to him. Lord, let me get in fellowship with you and intimacy with you. Put down the negative emotions. Put down the negative thoughts. Let me focus on the promises you give me. Put faith. And this is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Glory to God. That's you. I'm talking to people that are going to do this right from this day forward and they're going to be walking in victory and walking in triumph. Put that, uh, put that verse up. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 2 and verse 14 and it's either the New Living but I think it may be the message. But it says... He always leads us in a perpetual victory campaign, a perpetual victory parade. I think it's the message. I can, I can find it on my... 2 Corinthians 2.14. Let me read it to you. Here, here's the... Which one is that? The message? All right, I'll read that, then I'll read the New Living. The message... And I got it. Thank God. Thank God. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Let me read this in the New Living. New Living Translation, same verse. But thank God, he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Like a sweet perfume. I love it. See, this is, in other words, there's things that pop in our path. There's things that pop in our way. But God has not designed that any one of those beat us. That in any one of those defeat us. We are supposed to win at every place. Always in every place. Read that same verse in the New American Standard and look at all the absolutes. But thanks be to God who always, the first thing is, he's telling us to give thanks. Why would God tell us to give thanks for something that we couldn't be thankful for? In other words, when he says, be thankful for this, when he says that, everything changes. We can already know whatever he's about to say, it's already done, or else he wouldn't be telling us to give thanks for it. If he told us to give thanks for something that, that wouldn't happen, he would be unjust in his uh, in his commandment to us. But he's telling us, he's commanding us, give thanks to God because this is about to happen. Now, it's going to happen for the people that apply faith to it. It won't necessarily happen if we don't apply faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But if we don't apply faith, it's not going to happen. But this is a promise. But thanks be to God who always, write it in the comments, always, do it again, always, all caps, always, leads us 
to triumph in Christ. He always leads us to triumph. There's no time he's not leading us to triumph. There is no time he's not leading us to triumph. He's always leading us to triumph in Christ. Now, he's leading us, so he's going ahead. We have to take Christ by the hand. If we don't take Jesus by the hand, there's no promise of triumph. He's leading us in triumph in Christ, so I must do it his way. Like George and I were talking about yesterday, I have to take his yoke upon, us, upon me. And he says, and he manifests, that means what is spiritual, he brings it into the physical. He manifests through us the sweet aroma. First thing is, what he's about to manifest, it's not a bad aroma, it's a sweet aroma. And what is it a sweet aroma of? The knowledge of him. He manifests through us. In other words, he works this through us. This is the plan of God, to take the victory of God and manifest through us, through you, through me, through us, an aroma of the sweet knowledge of God, a sweet aroma of the knowledge of God. Well, one thing that tells you is when you get true knowledge of God, it's always a sweet aroma. Oh, it's a sweet aroma. And knowledge of God is always a sweet aroma. It's an absolute. And then he says, in every place. Write that. Always in every place. Triumph, colon. Triumph, always in every place. Shoot, I'll write it myself. Triumph, always and in every place. Exclamation point. Triumph, always and in every place. Always and in every place. Always and in every place. That's what God has planned for us. All right. But Saul had missed that memo. <laughs> he thought David was trying to kill him. David was actually trying to serve him. David would have sat there and served in the king's court faithfully if Saul had only known his heart. But see, his jealousy, his ungodliness, it had completely deceived him. You can tell by what's being said. He completely believes what he's saying. Deception, the key about deception is, by definition, you don't know you're deceived. That's why it's, you're deceived. That's why you're in deception, because you're deceived not knowing it. The only thing that breaks deception is humility. <laughs> Mark, he said, I always thought Saul was crazy, but I never realized how much I've been like Saul. <laughs> That's humility. See, that humility is what breaks the yoke and the breaks away the veil of deception. Holly said, me too. Amen. Kevin says, the sweet aroma that lingers even after we leave, that's God's plan. That's his plan. Watch this, verse 9. Then Doeg the Edomite, who was standing by the servants of Saul, said, I saw the son of Jesse come into Nob, and Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. There's always some over-eager person wanting to get ahead by whatever means necessary. There's always somebody 
that says, yeah, I'll, I'll stick a knife in somebody, just let me be, let me be a leader. So he gives up the priest that gave David bread to eat and gave him a sword while he's in the wilderness. He inquired of the Lord for him, talking about the priest for David, gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent someone to summon Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's household the priests who were in Nob and all of them came to the king. Saul said, listen now, son of Ahitub. And he answered and said, here I am, my lord. Ahimelech wasn't against Saul. He was just serving people. Saul then said to him, why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? in that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him so that he would rise up against me by lying in ambush as it is this day. Now watch this. A bad leader doesn't believe in other people. And when, many times a bad leader will believe the worst and not the best. If you go into the Amplified about love and I think it's 1 Corinthians 13 that talks about love believes the best. In other words, love is looking for a reason to believe in somebody, not the worst. You see, here was Ahimelech. He wasn't conspiring against Saul. He wasn't conspiring against Saul. He was simply serving people. But Saul truly believed, completely bound by deception, Saul truly believed that Ahimelech the priest conspired you sitting making plans against me against your king it's a bad leader then Ahimelech answered the king and said and who among all your servants is as faithful as David even the king's son-in-law who is captain over your guard and is honored in your house in other words the, the priest is saying he's trying to speak God's words to him. King Saul, David is faithful to you. He's, he's a faithful man to you. See, many times when we've been off track, the, the voice of the Lord is there, but many times we've been hard-hearted and we don't want to hear that because we want to believe in the bad report. We've been conditioned in this world to believe the bad report instead of believing in the good things. And so we sink to that place of darkness instead of rising up out of it and being free. See, here's the thing. Had King Saul actually known who God was, even if David had plans against him, wasn't Saul's job to believe that God would protect him from David? But see, he wasn't, he wasn't believing in God's protection. Saul had turned from the source of God to himself as the source. That's what pride does. And now he feels like he must execute his own protection instead of trusting in the Lord to watch the city. Again, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer builds in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain, in vanity, in pride. Look, Lord, you got to guard my house. You must, and I put faith on you to watch my house, to build my house and to watch my life. 
I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor, how many times as a pastor, I've known of things that were wrong going on. I've known of situations that were incorrect. And I, I could have easily taken that situation out, gotten rid of the person, but I'm not here to remove people. I'm here to serve them. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, nothing, nothing. I said, well, let me you know, just pray for them. Pray for my enemies. Pray for them. In Jesus' name, let their eyes of understanding be opened and enlightened and let them have strength to step out of that deception. And you just have to learn to trust the Lord. And here's the thing. What I've found is uh, many times after many different things over the years, we're still going because God has protected us. We're still going. When you have that heart, we're still in position. We're still leading people. We're still helping. We're still serving. And many people that had, had gone the other way, they're not. But we're letting God build the house and God watch the city. Verse 15, did I just begin to inquire of God for him today? Far be it from me. Do not let the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the household of my father, for your servant knows nothing at all of this whole affair. But the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's household. He's got the man standing in front of him saying, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I can tell you David's faithful to you. Don't, you know, don't kill us. Saul's deception had gotten to the place where he says, no, you're going to die. Not only is deception his pride. Verse 17, And the king said to the guards who were attending him, Turn around and put the priest of the Lord to death. Boy, if, if you're not turning yourself into, if you weren't an enemy of the Lord before, you're heading there now. Because their hand also is with David and because they knew that he was fleeing and did not reveal it to me. But the servants of the king were not willing to put forth their hands to attack the priest of the Lord. They were not willing. Praise God for those men. Praise God for men who would stand up against unrighteous calls to hurt people. You're seeing some of that happen right now in our country. Praise God for men who are willing to stand up for truth and freedom and not to harm people. Remember, there's always one who is over-eager to look good in the eyes of other people, to go to a place of leadership. Right there, the, Saul should have said, man, all of these leaders, nobody wants to do it. Whoa, maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed it. See, he's not getting confirmation from Doeg, who's about to do something stupid, from one man. That's not confirmation. Okay, King Saul, you're right. No, that's not one. That's one man over eager, prideful, and ready to gain something who's greedy. That's not confirmation. 
Listen, there's one thing I've found in leadership and in the, in the kingdom of God as a serving the Lord. There's always somebody who will confirm your deception. There's always somebody who will confirm your deception. If you want to believe it, the devil will send somebody who will back up what you think. So that doesn't mean it's confirmation from the Lord. But I've watched people time after time after time. Well, somebody else said this, and they hear from God a lot. Yeah, great. All right, what about this time? Not, don't think so. There's always somebody to confirm your deception. Then the king said to Doeg, you turn around and attack the priest. What a spineless piece of junk. Won't even do it himself. Telling other men to do it for him. Coward. That's why he's scared. You turn around and attack the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned around and attacked the priest. And he killed that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He killed 85 priests because of a deception and a greediness and a pride. Now watch this. 85 men died that day because somebody would not judge themselves. It is not okay just to amen our need as leaders to judge ourselves. We must proactively let the light of God shine on us all the time. Proactively, continuously judge ourselves so that we're not judged. We must constantly do this. 19, and he struck, and he struck Nob, the city of the priest, with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and infants, and also oxen, donkeys, and sheep. He struck with the edge of the sword. Now he's laying waste to the whole city because of deception, because he wouldn't judge himself as a leader. I'm telling you, before you get into the position of the leader, you must make it a priority to judge yourself. And when you get into that place and into that office and into that seat, you must do it all the more. Lives are on the line because you might not think it's very important. It may seem like it's a small deal, but I'm telling you, it's the small foxes that ruin the vine. And these small deals can turn into a whole city getting wasted. But one son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priest of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. Stay with me, do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life but you are safe with me. Sometimes, sometimes, evil men do evil things. Some, and that's not something, uh, you know, I, I didn't make the decision for King Saul. 
David didn't make that decision. King Saul made an evil decision, and Doeg made an evil decision. And because of that evil decision, the people, the priest of the Lord died. People, children, infants, animals died because of an evil decision. Psalms 115, verse 16, I believe it is, says, The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. We must take responsibility for this earth. We are the ambassadors of Christ. We are the light. We are the salt. The salt cannot be the salt if we will not continue to go up in God. If we will not judge ourselves and increase in God. If we think that we've arrived and we've already hid everything, we've learned all this stuff. I remember one of the stupidest statements I ever heard in my life, ever heard in my life, was when somebody had been coming to the church for a little while and they thought they heard the Lord say, I've learned all that I can learn there. I can't learn anymore. I've learned it all. And I went, wow. 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 And they thought it was the voice of God, not realizing it was actually a voice of a demonic force that was operating in their life. Demonic force. If we don't allow ourselves to be looked at and let the light of God shine on us and to uh, conform us, to transform us, and not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind and constantly increase then we have potential to turn into the very person that we think is so evil. We have the potential. I've watched leader after leader after leader fall into the same traps. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. This is what leaders are supposed to be. And we must learn that before we get into the leadership position. And once we get into the leadership position... We must apply it all the more. We cannot play games with it. It should not be an option of whether or not we do or we don't. It should be something where we are always pressing forward. We are always called to be hungry and humble and let the light of God shine on us constantly throughout all of our days on the earth because as long as we're here on the earth, we still have this corrupted flesh. We've not received that glorified body and we cannot play games because literally, legitimately, lives hang in the balance. But if we will do that, if we will get to know our God, if we will grow in the knowledge of God, we will take our responsibility as the salt and the light, the pillar of truth on this earth, and God will be able to uphold His will through us. He will bring about the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place when we take Jesus by the hand and let Him lead us, let Him work on us, let Him grow us and build us up to the fullness of the stature of Christ, the fullness of the measure of the anointed one and His anointing, and God will do exploits through us. That's the plan of God. 
But we need men and we need women who will take responsibility for their feelings, take responsibility for their thoughts, who will take responsibility for their faithfulness, for their discipleship, for their hope, for their love. We've got to have people who are not satisfied to sit still and get stagnant, but to get on fire with God and go after Him with everything. Why? Because lives literally and legitimately hang in the balance. This is what God's calling you to. This is what God's calling you to today. Will you be the kind of leader who won't be like a Saul, but will be like a David and will uphold the things of God and people will find protection in you and around you because you're walking with him. Father, right now today, I just pray that as people hear this message, Lord, let them see so clearly their responsibility to increase in you, just like Jesus. He kept increasing in wisdom and stature, maturity, and in favor with God and man. Lord, let people grow up into you today like they've never grown up before. And Lord, let them hunger after you like they've never hungered before. And let them humble themselves after you like they've never humbled themselves before. Lord, today, may the difference be there. May the change take place. Lord, today, may that change take place in us. Just put it in the comments. Receive it today. Lord, today, may the change take place in me. In Jesus' name, Father, we praise you and we thank you. We worship you. Father, today may the change take place in me. Today may the change take place in me. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Lord, we receive your goodness and your mercy. We receive your goodness in your mercy. Today, may the change take place in us. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. And we thank you for it. Amen. Glory to God. Everyone that's watching, listen, I'm believing with you that that would be, that everything changes for you today. Everything is moving up in Jesus' name. And lives that once were going to be lost will now be found and saved because of the choices that you made in Jesus Christ. Lord, let it be today. In Jesus' name, let it be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If anybody has a question about that, just drop it in real quick. It's a chapter that, and a story that I don't like reading uh, because I've seen... The ridiculous thoughts of deceived people through the years. And I myself have been deceived multiple times. But I found the answer to that is hunger and humility in God. And hunger and humility will change those things. It'll turn them around. It will, it, it'll say, I'm going to take responsibility for this earth. God's given me charge. He said to me, occupy till I come. I'll take godly responsibility and apply it today. Thank you, Father, for giving us a way to win when so many people don't. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hunger and humility is so key. Key, key, key. They are keys. 
God will not give you hunger and humility. It's your responsibility to get hungry and to be humble. He will empower you to it, but he won't make it. We have to make that decision, and those things keep so many things straight and in line. Hunger and humility, hunger and humility. Well, I love you. If you'd like to give today, you're welcome to on Facebook. You can put hashtag donate and the amount afterward. Uh, no matter where you're at, you can go to givebc.org. You can partner with us in getting the good news of Jesus Christ out there. Uh, you don't have to, but if God's written it on your heart to do that, you're welcome to do that at any time, not just during the broadcast, but any time. We love you so very much, and we're excited for what God's doing in your life. And may that change happen in you today. And Lord, just anybody who's giving today, in Jesus' name, Lord, let it be supernaturally multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, running over in the lives of people, in Jesus' name. And Lord, let them today, let them be convicted and convinced. Today, I will take my responsibility to walk in all godliness, to judge myself, to be hungry and humble. And from this day forward, my life rises up and I will be able to help many people because of the choices you've empowered me to choose. Lord, let those things happen today for every person that's here in this, either live or in the archive. Thank you, Father Ford, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you so very much. Have a great, great day, and we'll see you tomorrow at noon for lunch. Plus, if you haven't seen it yet today, too, I put out a Thursday 3, three-minute Thursday message, and I think you'll enjoy it as well. And uh, we love you. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.